I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This evening, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, we would like to begin the reading of the questions that are the texts of the book that we began last week with introductory comments that is A'lam al-Sunnah al-Manshura li'atiqad al-Ta'ifa al-Najiyah al-Mansura by al-Allama Hafiz ibn Ahmed ibn Ali al-Hakami rahimahullah in the first introductory lecture we talked about the importance of this subject the subject of Aqeedah and we mentioned a number of points why it is important one of them is related to the emphasis that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has given in the Quran to the topic of Al-Aqeedah from the beginning of the Quran until the end of it and also the fact that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi he has likewise followed suit and he has emphasized and focused upon uh, the teaching of the matters related to Al-Aqeedah to est- establishing the Aqeedah in the hearts of the believers in the early period of Mecca for 13 years until the Hijrah. Uh, likewise, we discuss definitions, the definition of Sunnah and some of the other definitions of Sunnah. The definition of Sunnah we said linguistically it is a tariqah or a seerah and we said that the general definition of a Sunnah that has been given most commonly by most of the scholars it is the sayings and the actions as well as the approvals of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and those things that he approved of that he saw or that he heard about that the people have done and he allowed it he didn't disapprove of it and we also gave other definitions such as Sunnah being the opposite of Bid'ah and Sunnah being used as the opposite of that which is obligatory wajib and Sunnah being used by the meaning of Al-Aqeedah by many of the early scholars and so on then we talked about i'tiqad or aqidah, the definition, linguistic and technical definition of it. And we talked about the two groups or the two titles or descriptions that have been given for the people of truth who adhere strictly to the way of the Prophet ﷺ in their beliefs, in their worship, in their conduct and behavior and so on. And we said that these two descriptions were founded in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, the author Al-Hafiz Al-Hakami rahimahullah, has used both of these titles in the description of the book when he called it the Atiqad of Al-Ta'ifa Al-Najiyah Al-Mansura Al-Ta'ifa, the group uh, which is victorious and the saved group the victorious group that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would cause to remain on this earth from amongst the followers of the Prophet sallallahu until yawm qiyamah and those who would be saved from deviation and innovation in this world, in the deen, they would be saved from that by following the sunnah and they would be saved most importantly in the next life from the punishment of the hellfire. Then we mentioned something from the matters of the biography of the author uh, and that is what we concluded with last week. This evening, we would like the beginning, to begin the reading of the text of the book and the beginning of the book, the author has made an introduction himself, an introduction to this book and what it contains and what is his uh, his methodology that he has used in writing this book and what he intended by it. So we would like to 
read his introduction because its introduction tells us something about his minhaj, his methodology and what he intended by this book, uh, what he intended to produce by this book and the benefits that he hoped it would provide for the believers. The author has mentioned about six or seven points and it is good to know these points and to be aware of them and be conscious of them so that when you go through this book you will have these things in mind. He first begins by mentioning the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-An'am chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 Alhamdulillah alladhi khalaqa samawati wal ard wa ja'ala al-zulumati wal nur Praise be to Allah, the one who has created the heavens and the earth and who has originated or who has brought about the darkness and the light. Then those who disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they turn away from the worship of Allah to the worship of other than Allah, making others equal with Allah, making others equal with the Lord of the worlds. That he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the one who created you from clean, from clay, from the, uh, the dust of the earth. Then he has decreed a term, a fixed term, that the person would live in this world and when they would die. And also a fixed term for when the people would be resurrected and brought to account. Then after that, the people, in spite of all of that, what Allah has done, after that, the people still are in doubt, in doubt about the reality of the accounting and the resurrection. وَهُوَ اللَّهِ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَفِي الْأَرْضِ يَعْلَمُ سِرَّكُمْ وَجَهْرَكُمْ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تَقْسِبُونَ And He is Allah in the heavens and in the earth. Meaning Allah, it is the one who is worshipped, al-ma'bud. He is the one that is worshipped in the heavens and He is the one that is worshipped in the earth. The meaning is not that Allah is in the heavens and the earth. But Allah here, the meaning of it, it means the one that is worshipped, the one that deserves to be worshipped, the one that has the right to be worshipped. And He is the one that deserves to be worshipped in the heavens, and He is the one that deserves to be worshipped in the earth, even if in the earth there are others being worshipped falsely besides Him. And He knows what you conceal and that what you reveal and what you earn, yani what you do in this world, your deeds, your actions of good and bad, and he will call you to account for that. Then the author, rahimahullah, began with the testimony of al-shahada wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah ahadun samadun lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakun lahu kufuwan ahad. He said, I bear witness that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and he is the one, one who is unique, Ahad there is nothing similar or equal or like him and Samad, the one that is without need and that every one of the creatures is in need of he didn't give birth uh, he wasn't born nor did he give birth to anyone but he is indeed the creator and there is no one that is like him or equal to him or similar to him then he quoted also from the Quran from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verses 116 and 117 and he describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one whom this aqidah and this deen is created by or offered by or revealed by he said وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ وَلَدًا that they said that is the disbelievers 
from amongst Christians or Jews or other disbelievers who made such claims that Allah has taken a son or that Allah has taken a child or, or that he has given, yani that he has some offspring. It is the declaration that Allah is free of whatever has been ascribed to him unjustly or falsely. That is unbefitting of the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. بَلْ لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ كُلٌّ لَهُ قَانِتُونَ That rather than him taking a son, rather everything that is in the heavens and the earth belongs to him. All of them are qanitun, يعني in submission and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. بَدِيَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَإِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ That he is the one who originated from nothing, the heavens and the earth. And whenever he decrees a matter, he merely says to it, Kun, be, and it comes into existence. Then he quoted the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Qasr, chapter 28, verse 68, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَرُ And your Lord, He is the one who creates whatever He wills, and He chooses and he gives, he chooses some over others of his creatures or times and seasons and so on and places. And that for the people, there is no choice for them. They have no choice in the matter. But Allah is the one who creates what he wills. And Allah is the one who chooses whom he wills. Subhanallah wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. And Allah is declared to be perfect and free of any imperfections. And he is most high, far removed from that which they ascribe to him as partners. Then finally... He mentioned from Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 23, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is not asked about what He does. He is not to be questioned. No one can question the actions of Allah. Because He is the one who is mighty to do, and qadir, powerful to do whatever He wills. And whatever He does, it is based on hikmah, because He is Al-Hakim. So whatever He does, it is based on wisdom, and it is just, and it is fair. And it is in the best interest of his creatures. Therefore, he is not to be asked or to be questioned. Allah's actions are not to be doubted or questioned. But the people, whom yus'alun, they are the ones who will be questioned, meaning on Yawm Qiyamah, people will be questioned about their deeds. And then the second part of the Shahadatain, he said, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ سَيِّدًا مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَرْسَلُهُ بِالْخُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُذْهِرُهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ That I bear witness that our master Muhammad is his slave and his messenger, the slave of Allah and the messenger of Allah. And Allah has sent him with al-huda, the guidance, al-islam, and the deen al-haq, the true religion, to make it overcome, liyuzahirahu ala deeni kulli, to make it to overcome, to make the deen of Islam to overcome all of the religions or ways of life in the earth, even if the pagan disbelievers hate it, even if they hate it. From Surah Tawbah, chapter 9, verse 33, the last part of, the statement. Then he prayed for blessings upon the Prophet ﷺ, that the salat should be upon the Prophet ﷺ and his family and his companions, that those who, يعني, they ruled and they judged by the truth, by the haq, that which is just and right and fair. And they established the justice based on the truth. And then also the prayers al tabi'een those who followed them, those who followed the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, those who followed them, 
in righteousness and goodness, and he followed in their path, in their aqidah, in their practice, in their ibadah, those who didn't deviate from the sunnah, nor did they place, make anything as an equal with it, but they established the sunnah in its rightful place as being the way to be followed above and beyond everything else. Indeed, he said, they followed it and they hold fast to it. And they used to make allegiances and friendship with people and enmity and separation and disassociation from the people, al-wala wal-bara, based on it. And he based on this deen and based on the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And they used to stop upon it, not going beyond it. And they used to defend it. And then he said also the prayers upon all of those who follow in their way and who imitate their actions, what they have left behind, their athar, what has been left behind by the Sahaba radiallahu anhu majma'een and the tabi'een who followed in their way. He said, and peace be upon all of those who followed in their way and who imitated their way until the day of resurrection. Here the Shaykh describes the book in very brief words, but he mentions a number of points. The first of those points, he says, أَمَّا بَعْدْ فَهَذَا مُخْتَصَرٌ جَلِيلٌ نَافِعٌ That this book is a mukhtasar. It is not a detailed book of aqidah. It is a mukhtasar, brief summary of the Islamic aqidah, or the deen of Allah, the whole of the deen of Allah. It is mukhtasar. It is honorable, glorious, yani a, 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 an important Magnificent book, Nafi'un, beneficial. It is a beneficial book. He said, Azim al-Fa'idah wa jam al-Manafi'. Yani, the benefit from it is great. And its usefulness is also abundant and plentiful. Then after this, after mentioning the first point that the book is mukhtasar, the second point he said, what does it contain? Yashtamila ala qawaid al-deen wa yatadamman usul al-tawheed. He said that this book, it is consisting of the qawaid of the deen. Okay, it doesn't have all of the details of the deen, but the fundamentals of the deen. This is what he has emphasized. So the qawaid of the deen of Allah, the foundations and the fundamentals, is what we expect to study in this book. And it also includes usul tawheed the fundamentals or the foundations, the roots of a tawheed which is the essence of the Islamic aqidah. That which the messengers have called to, and that which the books, the revelations, the scriptures were revealed with. And that, he said, which a person will never be successful if they practice as a deen anything besides it. Then he said this book, it guides to and indicates the way of al-Mahajjah al-Bayda. That is the way or the road that is bright and clear, that is easy to follow. And here, this is in reference to a number of hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where this meaning has been mentioned. From amongst them is the hadith reported in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed and in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, containing the words of the Prophet ﷺ, قَدْ تَرَقْتُكُمْ عَلَى الْبَيْضَاءِ That I have left you upon that which is bright and clear. Its night is like its day. And if you are traveling on this way, on this road, in the night it is the same as the day. The way is clear. There is no dubiousness. There is no way for a person to go astray if they stay on this road. He said, That nobody goes away from, deviates from this way, this bayda, al-mahajit al-bayda. Nobody goes away from it after me except that he will be destroyed. 
And this is uh, also an important matter. Yani he said that this book guides to Al-Mahajjit Al-Bayda, the way that the Prophet ﷺ has left behind for us, that if anybody follows this way, it is a clear path, yani it is a bright path, whoever follows it, then they will be saved, and whoever deviates from it, then they will be destroyed. He said it is the minhaj of haqq, the methodology of haqq that is clear. Then he said, after this, he mentioned what he has explained in this book. He said, I have explained in it, umur al-iman, wa khisalahu. I have explained in it, the matters related to al-iman. And he has mentioned in it the qawaid of deen, the fundamentals of deen, and the usul of tawheed, the fundamentals of the essence of the Islamic aqidah, the tawheed. And he said, I have explained in it, and he has explained the, as far as iman, iman in Allah, especially maybe one-third or one-fourth of the book he has dealt with this topic of al-iman billah. He said, I have explained in it the matters related to al-iman and its special characteristics, and what removes it completely and that which negates or nullifies its perf- perfection. Yani he explained the matters of Iman, and he has also explained those things that nullify Iman, that remove it, that destroy it, that demolish it, that take it out of existence. As well as, like this what he means, what nullifies Iman, it is like uh, a shirk al-akbar, major shirk. That if a person practices it, it destroys the Islam, destroys the Iman, nothing remains. They are out of Islam. And he said also, he has mentioned those things which, which, yani, which contradict or which nullify the perfection of Iman. Yani it doesn't destroy Iman, but the perfection of it, it is affected by such things as sin, al-ma'afi. And he has also talked about sin, the major sins and the minor sins. And he has talked about shirk, major shirk and minor shirk. And he has also talked about in, in other matters in the end of the book related to bid'ah and commanding the good and forbidding the wrong and the position of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in as well as other minor points. Then he said, and this is part of his minhaj and this is a very important special characteristic of this book. He said, I have mentioned in it every issue accompanied by its dalil. Every issue that he has mentioned, he has bringing the proof and the evidence for what he has said. So he is not asking anyone to believe in this, you know, just trust me. But he is mentioning the issues of Iman and the usul of Tawheed and the fundamentals of the deen, the qawaid of deen. And every issue that he mentions, he also mentions the dalil. What is the proof from the Qur'an and what is the proof from the authentic sunnah? And he said in this way, it will make clear the matter. It will make the reality of these matters crystal clear. And it will make the way clear. Then he says, another important point in his minhaj, he said, I have, uh, I have limited myself. That I have limited myself to what I have mentioned here is only the madhab of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. I haven't talked about the opinions of other people, but I have limited myself to the madhab of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And I have abandoned and left the sayings of the Ahlul Ahwa wal Ibtida, the people who follow their Ahwa, their Hawa, their desires, and the Ahlul Ibtida, the people who follow innovations that have no basis in the religion. He said, I have left their sayings. I haven't mentioned them, I haven't given any attention to them, but what I have mentioned here is only the, the position and the opinion and the way of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The reason why he has done this, he said, it is because the opinions of the Ahlul Ahwa, the people of desires who follow their desires, who do what they want to do, 
in contradiction to what Allah has ordered us with and the people who innovate he said their sayings are not to be mentioned except in refuting them or in sending the arrows of the sunnah against them otherwise if we are not refuting them no need to spread their opinions and to discuss them and waste our time trying to figure out and understand what the deviant people have put forth as their false deen then he said that the noble scholars of the past they have gone forth and they have made clear they have exposed the defects of the opinions of the people of innovation and deviation the noble scholars of the past they have written independent books exposing them and refuting them and showing any the uh, clearness of their deviation and their farness from the sunnah then he says okay he has left those things he has not mentioned them however some of the scholars they have written independent books refuting the people of deviation he said ma anna adib yu'rafu bi diddihi and this is in spite of the fact that the opposite of something is known by that which is its opposite yani if you know the truth you will know what is deviation so he has sufficed to mention the truth the opposite of it falsehood it will become known by knowing the truth the opposite of something is known by its opposite so if you know the truth then falsehood would be clear for you he said that it is brought out and it is made clear in its definition where it's dhabit and it's had yani the the limits of something are defined clearly it is made clear what is truth and what is falsehood and this is like the example he said that if the sun comes out in the sky if the sun shines in the sky then the day has no need for any proof that it is daytime when the sun shines it is known nobody has any doubt is it day or night because the sun is bright and it is the decisive factor whenever the sun shines in the sky there's no need for any proof no one has to prove that it is day he said this is like the example of the truth when the truth is made clear when the truth is clarified and made clear then whatever is after that it is falsehood fama ba'dahu illa dhalal when the truth is made clear whatever is besides it is falsehood there's no doubt about it then he says after this that he has only mentioned the opinions of the ahli sunnah wal jamaah then he also talked about the last point concerning his manhaj in this book he said i have arranged it according to tariqat as-su'al i have made it in the arrangement of questions yani question and answer format not like the normal books are normally written but he has made it in the format of questions in order to awaken the students and to make them to be attentive then i have added to it or accompanied it by the jawab or the answer meaning the evidences for those questions and this is to make the matter clear so that there is no unclarity he said i have named this book alam as-sunnah al-manshura li'tiqad at-ta'ifa al-najiya al-mansura alam it is the plural of alam it means a distinguishing sign or a mark or a banner or a flag yani the meaning of alam as-sunnah al-manshura it means those distinguishing marks or those symbols or signs or banners that are along the road here the sunnah meaning the road the path the tariqa of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam those distinguishing marks or those banners or those flags landmarks along the road that when you are traveling you can follow them so that you know you are on the correct path concerning the i'tiqad or the aqeedah or the beliefs 
of the Taif and Naji and Mansura, the group that is victorious and that will be saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he closed with the dua, Wallaha as'alu an yaj'alahu ibtigha wajhihi al-ala wa an yanfa'ana bima allamana wa yu'allimuna ma yanfa'una ni'matan minhu wa fadlan innuhu ala kulli shayin qadir wa bi'ibadihi laqifun khabir wa ilayhi in marji' wa al-masiyah wa huwa mawlana fani'ma al-mawla wa ni'ma al-nasir. So he said that we ask Allah to make this work something that has been done seeking his face, the Most High. And he's seeking the face of Allah, the sifa of Allah that is confirmed that Allah has a face, to see the face of Allah, which is the right of the believers on Yawm Qiyamah. It will be only the believers that will see the face of Allah, those who earn the reward of Allah and the pleasure of Allah and the Jannah. He said, I hope that this will be made as something which has been done seeking the face of Allah the Most High and that He will benefit us by what He has taught us and that He will teach us that which will benefit us and this is a ni'mah, a favor and it is يعني, something, a bounty that Allah has given freely though we are not deserving and He is the one who is able to do so and He is the one who is latif and khabir with His servants and the return is to Him and the end is with Him and He is our mawla, our master and he is the best master and he is the best one who can help. This is the end of the introduction of the Shaykh to the book. So please make a note of some of the things that he has said in this introduction to know about his minhaj. The first of them is that it is a mukhtasar, it is a summary. And the second of them is that he has discussed in it the qawaid of the deen, the fundamentals of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he has mentioned the usul of tawheed, yani the roots of tawheed, the fundamentals of a tawheed. And he has made this book in question and answer form. And he has given the answers to those questions accompanied by evidences. He has given evidence for whatever he has mentioned in this book. Uh, and also, very importantly, he has limited what he has mentioned in this book to the madhab of Ahl Sunnah, abandoning the opinions and the sayings of the Ahlu Bid'ah, the people of innovation and deviation. The first question that he has mentioned, and note that uh, most of the questions are accompanied by, uh, many of the questions are what is the evidence or what is the proof for what he has said. Therefore we will find that many of the answers contain ayats from the Quran and hadith of the Prophet So what we will attempt to do is to try to print out at least the ayats of the Quran, so it will save you some trouble and some time in writing out all of the evidences uh, at least we will um, share. Yani I will get the ayat for you and you will write down the hadith. <laughs> Inshallah. So everybody has to do some work. Uh, the first question, he said, مَا أَوَّلُ مَا يَجِبُ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ yani What is the first thing which is obligatory upon the ibad, the servants of Allah? What is the first thing that is obligatory upon the servants of Allah. The first thing he said that is obligatory upon the servants, it is Allah The first thing that is obligatory upon the ibad, the plural of abd, the servants of Allah, the first thing that is obligatory is ma'rifa, knowing something. Knowing the thing or the matter for which Allah has created them. This is the first obligation, to know what Allah has created you for. 
That is the first thing you have to know. You can't do anything until you first know. So the first thing is knowledge. Knowledge precedes action. As Imam al-Bukhari said in the chapter heading in one of the chapters of his Sahih, he said, Al-ilm qabla al-qawli wal-amali. Al-ilm qabla al-qawli wal-amali. Knowledge is before speech and action. So here the Shaykh said the first thing that is obligatory is to know that matter or that thing or the purpose for which Allah has created, created us. And he said, and to know that thing, it is the same matter. He is describing that thing for which Allah has created us. He said, to know that amr or that matter or that thing that Allah has taken the covenant from us based on it, the, the mithaq. What is the thing that Allah has taken a covenant upon it from us? And that mithaq, it is what is mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 172. The meaning of it is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has taken from the children of Adam, from their backs, their offspring, and caused them, وَأَشْحَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ That I have called them or caused them to testify against their own selves by asking them, أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ Am I not your Lord? Yani when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He took the offspring, all of the seed of Adam from his back and from the backs of his offspring and he brought all of the creation in front of him and he called them to testify to the fact that he is the Lord and they have testified, they have testified The reason for this as is mentioned in the ayat is so that on Yom Qiyamah people will say we didn't know about this we didn't know Allah was our Lord Actually every human being that comes into this world whether we call them to Allah or not, they already know Allah is their Lord. As Allah has mentioned in this ayat, that He has brought all of the offspring of Adam from His back and He called them to testify ala anfusihim, against themselves. Alastu bi rabbikum qalu bala. They said, yes indeed, you are our Lord and we bear witness. That is so that they will not say on Yom Qiyamah that we were unaware of this matter. This is the mithaq, mithaq. It is the covenant that Allah has taken from the whole of humanity. Before we came into this world, He has informed us that He is our Lord and He has required of us to worship Him alone. As it is reported in a number of hadith, Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir has mentioned in the tafsir, some of these hadith where the people, when they were offering to give the wealth of the world in order to be saved from the hellfire that they are destined for after they have left from this world and the matter is finished and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say to them, I have asked you for something less than that. Less than the wealth of the whole world. I have asked you and la tushrika biya shay'a. That you don't worship anything along with me. That's all. That is the mithaq. That we have made a covenant with Allah. That He is our Lord and we would not worship anything along with Him. So whoever violates that covenant, then they deserve what Allah gives them and Allah is just and fair. So what is the matter that He has created us for and that matter which He has taken the covenant upon it and that matter for which He has sent the messengers to us and that matter for which He has revealed the books and that matter for which the, this world and the next world at dunya wal akhirah have been created for this matter. What is that matter? The Jannah and the Naa, the paradise and the hellfire has been created for it. And Al-Haqa, yani Al-Haqa, it is one of the names of Yawm Qiyamah, of the Qiyamah, Al-Haqa. Why it is obligatory, it is for this matter that Al-Haqa, it has to come into being. And Waqa'at Al-Waqiyah, Al-Waqiyah is also one of the names of Yawm Qiyamah. He said, what the reality or the obligation of this Yawm Qiyamah taking place, and it is in reference to this matter that the balances, the mawazin, have been, will be set up. 
and that the suhuf, the records, would be flying to their companions who are supposed to take them. And it is in reference to this matter that there is shaqawa, that some people will be wretched or unfortunate. And the people of hellfire and of sa'ada, some people will be happy and fortunate, that is the people of paradise. And it is based on this matter that the lights and wa'a will be divided. And lights would be given to people in the darkness of that time of judgment. It would be given to the believers and the disbelievers would be without light. And he said that whoever Allah has not given any light, then that person will not have any light. So the first answer that he has given in summary, it is what is the matter for which Allah uh, what is the matter, the first matter that is obligatory upon the creatures, it is to know that thing for which Allah has created us. And that thing based upon it, which Allah has made a covenant with us, and which he has sent the prophets with and revealed the revelations. Uh, the clarification of that matter is in the second question. And the first questions in the beginning of the book, they are dealing with introductory matters related to al-ibadah, and the purpose of creation and the abd and the definition of the slave of Allah and so on before he goes into the heart of the book which deals with the hadith of Jibreel yani when Jibreel السلام, came to the Prophet وسلم, and asked him what is Islam and what is Iman and what is Ihsan and the Prophet وسلم, explained these three levels of the deen of Allah and that is the basis of this book the author has explained what is Islam and what is Iman and what is Ihsan, in addition to some of the other matters that we have mentioned in the introduction. And these questions are introductory questions leading up to those three matters, Al-Islam, Wal-Iman, Wal-Ihsan. So the second of those questions, what is the matter or the purpose for which Allah created the creatures? What is the matter or what is the purpose for which Allah has created the creation? And here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Dukhan, Chapter 44, verses 38 and 39. وَمَا خَلَقَنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this ayat, What is the matter for which He has created the creation? He said that we have not created the heavens and the earth, and what is between them لَاعِبِينَ As mere play as amusement, as just something for passing time that has no objective or no purpose. Or no purpose. مَا خَلَقَنَهُمَا We have not created the heavens and the earth, the two of them, إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Except we have created it based on truth. Yani based on the matter of proof. That is, that which is required by the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which is in accordance with the will of Allah to order the people with what He wants from us and to prohibit the people from what He has prohibited and then to reward the people or to punish them accordingly. Yani what is this haq? He has created the heavens and the earth for the haq. It is for the ibadah, the worship of Allah. He said that we have not created the heavens and the earth except for the haq, and, but most of the people do not know. And then he said also from Surah Al-Sa'ad, chapter 38, verse 27, وَمَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاءَ that we have not created the heaven, nor the earth, or what is between the two of them, batilan, yani in falsehood, without purpose or without objective. But that, this idea that Allah has created the heavens and the earth without any purpose, He said that is the dhan, dhanul ladina kafaru. That is the, the imagination 
of those who disbelieve. They are imagining this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does anything without wisdom or without purpose. And then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Jafiyah, from chapter 45, verse 22, الْأَرْضِ بِالْحَقِّ That Allah, indeed, He has created the heavens and the earth in truth, yani based on wisdom, yani for a purpose, the purpose of worshipping Him alone and then calling the people to account accordingly. He has created the heavens and the earth بالحق, for truth. And also, وَلِيُجْزَى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And also to reward the people, to call the people account and to give them their recompense. Every individual, every soul, according to what it has earned. Those who have done good will receive good. <coughs> and those who have done evil will receive accordingly. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And they will not be done any injustice. No one would be denied. No one will get any decrease in the reward that they are entitled to nor will they get any increase in the punishment that they are entitled to. No one will be dealt with injustice, but everyone will get that which they deserve. Then finally he said, that which makes these ayats, all of them, clear, what is the meaning of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He didn't create the heavens and the earth just for mere play, and He didn't create it without purpose, but He created it with haqq. And this is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Dhariyat, chapter 51, verse 56. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنْسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He has not created the heavens and the earth except to worship Me. He said, I didn't create the heavens and the earth, or I haven't created the men and jinn except to worship Me. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنْسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have not created the men and jinn except to worship Me. This is the purpose that for which Allah has created the men and jinn, and for which he has created the creation. And every human being must know the purpose for which they have been created in order that they might strive to fulfill that purpose. Without knowing what we are here for, we cannot fulfill our purpose. However, whoever knows, then they have a chance, if they will, and by Allah's favor and his mercy, that he might give us the tawfiq or the success of fulfilling the purpose for which we have been created. In question number three, the author, rahimahullah, said, ما معنى العبد? Yani, what is the meaning of al-abd, the slave or the servant? And here, he gives the answer that Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah has given in his book, Al-Ubudiyyah. However, he has explained it a little differently. The meaning of it is the same, but he has added some details, perhaps yani, in a way to try to make it a little more clear. However, the essence of what he has said here, it is based upon the statement of Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah in his book, Al-Ubudiyyah, Worship. He said, what is the meaning of Al-Abd? Al-Abd, he said, it has two possible meanings. Al-Mu'abbad or Al-Abid. Al-Mu'abbad or Al-Abid. He said, if you mean by Abd, Al-Mu'abbad, that is Al-Muthallal, Al-Musakha, the one that is humbled and subdued and subjected and made subservient. If you mean by Al-Abd Al-Mu'abbad, the one that is humbled and subdued and overcome. He said, if that's what you mean, then this meaning includes everything in the creation. It includes, the Abd is everything in the creation then. He said, it includes the upper worlds as well as the lower worlds. Yani the world of the heavens and the world of the earthly world. It includes everything that is in them, that which is aqil wa ghayri, yani the one that, the, the, the creature that is rational, like the human being, and that which is not rational, 
like the stones or trees. It also includes that which is moist, moist, and that which is dry. It includes that which is moving and that which is motionless or still. And in this word, abd, if we mean mu'abbad, the one that is humbled and subdued and subjected and subjugated to Allah, then it includes everything in the upper world, the heavenly world, as well as the earthly world. It includes, he said, that which is visible and that which is not seen. It includes the mu'min and the kafir. Yani this, this meaning of abd, it's not only the believers, but it also includes the kafir, it includes the righteous, as well as the corrupt or immoral, and other than that. It includes all of these. These are just examples that he is using to show that this word abd, according to the meaning of mu'abd, mu'abd, mu'abbad, that which is subjected or subdued, then it includes everything in the creation. He said, because all of these things are makhluq, لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ مَرْبُوب لَهُ مُسَخَّرْ بِتَسْخِيرِهِ وَمُدَبِّرْ بِتَبْدِيرِهِ He said all of these things are makhluk, they are created by Allah. Everything that exists is from the creation of Allah, makhluk. And it is marbub, that which is nourished and cared for by Allah. Everything in the creation is cared for by Allah, marbub. He is the Rabb of everything and he is the Khalik of everything. And everything is musakhar, yani subjugated of subservient by Allah's doing. Allah has made it subjugated to whatever He made it to do. And mudabbar, it is governed or managed by the doing of Allah. Allah is the one who has put them in that order or that arrangement that we find the things in the creation in. He said everything in this creation, it is, it has a rasam, a athar that it stands upon. And it has uh, a sign, like the person who stands in the sand, there is some effect or some imprint in the sand from their standing there. He said everything has an ether or a print, an imprint that it is standing upon and everything has a hud, a, a boundary, a limit that it doesn't go beyond and everything has a fixed time period that it doesn't go outside of. Even in, in any matter, in the least he said, even to the extent of misqala dharra and even the amount of an a atom or a small ant he said everything has a limit that it doesn't go outside of aziz al-alim. That is, this, all of these, these things that have been fixed by Allah, it is the decree, the fixed decree of Allah who is al-aziz, the mighty, and al-alim, the knowing. And this is mentioned in a number of ayats in the Qur'an from amongst them, Surah Yaseen, chapter 36, verse 38. And he said this is the tadbir of al-adl al-hakim. And this is the arrangement of the one who is just and the one who is wise. Yani all of this is from the one who is Aziz, who is mighty to do what he wants to do, and Alim, who has knowledge, perfect knowledge of everything, and the one who is Adl, who is just in whatever he does. It is based on justice, and he is Hakim, it is based on wisdom, meaning that everything is in its proper place. Wisdom, it means to put a thing in its proper place, where it belongs. This is wisdom. Then he said, however, the other possible definition of Abd, Rather than mu'abbad, that which is subdued and subjected, he said, it is the other possible meaning of abd, it is al-abid, al-abid, al-muhib, al-mutazallil. Yani the abid, it is the one who worships Allah willingly. Al-muhib, the one who loves the one that he is worshipping. He worships Allah because he loves Allah. Al-mutazallil, the one who humbles himself and lowers himself and surrenders himself to Allah because he knows that Allah is his Lord and the one who has provided for him and given him life, and the one who protects him and cares for him, and the one that he cannot live without, that he is in need of. 
So this is the other meaning of Al-Abd, Al-Abid, the one who surrenders himself to Allah, who worships Allah alone and who loves Allah, the one who he worships. If this is the meaning that is intended, Al-Abid, then he said, this is exclusively limited to the mu'mineen, the believers, those who are Allah's honored servants. They are the awliya of Allah and the muttaqeen, the awliya of Allah. Yani those who fear Allah, he said, they are those who have no fear, nor do they grieve. Yani there is no fear upon them, nor will they grieve. There is no fear upon them of what is ahead in the next life, because they have worshipped Allah, and they have obeyed Allah, and there is no grief for them and whatever they leave behind in this world, because they have been worshipping Allah in this world. And this is based on the ayat in Surah, the ayat in Surah Yunus, chapter 10, verse 62 and 63, the saying of Allah, Allah inna awliya Allah, la khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahsanoon. Is it not so that verily the awliya of Allah, they are those who have no fear, nor do they grieve, they are those who believe. The people of Iman and the people of Taqwa. Uh, so in this question, the Shaykh has clarified the Abd, that there are two types of Abd. One of them is the Mu'abbad, the one who is subjected and subdued against his will. And the other one is the Abid who surrenders himself to Allah, who lowers himself in front of Allah, who loves to worship Allah and surrenders to Him for His worship alone. Question number four, مَا هِيَ الْعِبَادَةِ يعني What is al-ibadah? And again, the Shaykh, rahimahullah, he has taken this definition for al-ibadah from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and he has also and he given some further uh, any indications of the meaning of ibadah in this definition however the basic definition it is from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah what is al-ibadah he said here ismun jami'un it is a comprehensive word, ismun jamium, that encompasses so many things. It is not limited to what we might think of worship. Worship is praying and fasting and giving charity or making a sacrifice. This is worship. He said, no. Al-ibadah, it is ismun jamium, a comprehensive word. For everything that Allah loves and is pleased with. Ibadah, it is an expression that includes everything that Allah loves. And everything that Allah is pleased with, min al-aqwal wal-a'mal, al-zahir wal-batina, yani including our speech, our sayings, as well as our actions, including that which is zahira, seen openly, and that which is batina, that which is not seen, like the actions of the heart, love and hope and fear and reliance upon Allah. These are also acts, but they are not seen. So he said it includes all of this, not only the things that we see, but even that which we don't see. Not only that which we say, but also what we do. All of this is included in al-ibadah. And then the Shaykh Rahimahullah said that also part of ibadah, he has added now to the definition of ibadah, the other side of ibadah, he said, al-bara'atu mimma yunafi thalika wa yudaduhu. That ibadah, it is not only all of the things that Allah loves and is pleased with, but ibadah is also separating oneself and declaring one's innocence to be free and innocent from everything that negates it and opposes that. Everything that negates and opposes the things that Allah loves and is pleased with. 
So ibadah, it is all of the things that Allah loves and is pleased with, and it is also declaring one's innocence and being free from whatever opposes that or contradicts it. Question number five, the author mentions, Mata yakun al-amal ibadah? And this is a very important question after we know what is ibadah. So when is an action considered as ibadah? Is every speech and every action, is it all ibadah? He said, when is uh, an action considered as ibadah? When is it considered as worship? He said that an action or any deed, whether speech or whatever, that which is seen openly or not, it is considered as ibadah if it has completed two matters. If it, is, if it has encompassed two matters. And those two things are kamal al-hab ma kamal al-dhul. Yani that a person has perfect love for Allah and humility in front of Allah. That a person has love of Allah completely. That they love Allah perfectly. That means that they don't love anything else equal to the love of Allah. As he would discuss in the evidences concerning this. And also that they humble themselves in front of Allah, out of fear of Allah. These two things are necessary in order for something to be considered as ibadah. Otherwise, if somebody does that which appears to be ibadah, and they don't do it out of love of Allah, and they don't do it out of humbleness in front of Allah, then it is not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says concerning this, the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 165, That those who believe, they are uh, very strong in their love of Allah. Their love for Allah, it is stronger than the love of the pagan disbelievers. Yani some of the disbelievers have some love for Allah, but the love of the believers, it is greater. And this is... Yani just a portion of the ayat in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that from amongst the people are those who take some things as equals besides Allah. And they love them like they love Allah. يُحِبُّهُمْ Yani they love Allah and they take other things and love them like they love Allah. But those who really believe, the true believers, are those whose love for Allah it is greater, and it is greater than every other love. And this is the require, one of the requirements of ibadah, that the person does any act of ibadah out of love of Allah. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mu'minun, chapter 23, verse 57, That verily they are those who out of fear of their Lord, they are in awe. Mushfiqun, they are in awe of Allah out of fear. Yeah, and in fear of displeasing Allah. Fear of doing that which earns his displeasure. They love Allah and they also fear displeasing him. They are in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah has combined these two descriptions in his saying in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 90. Innahum that indeed they used to hasten in the doing of al-khayrat, of all kinds of good. وَيَدَعُونَنَا رَغَبًا وَرَحَبًا And they used to call on us, supplicating us, worshipping Allah with hope and with fear. With these two sides, hope and fear. Yani hope out of the love of Allah and fear of displeasing Allah. وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِئِينَ And they were, yani those who were khashi'een, those who humble themselves in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How much time for the event? Okay, uh, perhaps we'll take one or two more questions. Uh, question number 
सिक्स वट इज द साइन फॉर द इंडिकेशन ऑफ द सर्वेंट महब्बा लव फॉर हिज लोअ मैरी एंड द मजेस्टिक वट इज द आलाम द साइन दैट इंडिकेट द महब्बा द लव of the servant for his lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what is the sign that indicates that a person loves Allah he said the sign of the mahabba the love of the servant the abd the one who is the abid the one who is worshiping Allah willingly who loves the one who he worships the sign of his love of his lord he said is that that person loves the thing that Allah loves he loves whatever Allah loves and he hates whatever allah hates or dislikes he loves what allah loves and he hates what allah hates so for this reason he said if he loves what allah loves and he hates what allah hates then he complies with the awamir of allah the orders the commands of allah he complies with what allah has ordered him with and he avoids the prohibitions of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he makes allegiance and friendship with the awliya of Allah yani the people of iman and taqwa he makes allegiance to them and friendship with them and cooperation with them assisting them and helping them and he has enmity and hatred for the enemies of Allah yani the awliya of Allah he is attached to them and he is aligned to them because of the fact that they are the awliya of Allah and the enemies of Allah he rejects them and he hates them and he separates from them and he doesn't assist or cooperate with them and for this reason the shaykh he said ولذلك كان اوثق ورا الايمان الحب في الله والبغض في الله for this reason the strongest of the bond or the ties or the grip or the handles of iman the strongest of them he said it is love for the sake of allah and hatred for the sake of allah this is part of islam yani al wala wal bara having allegiance to the believers because of their iman and disassociating oneself from the disbelievers because of their kufr it is part of islam and the shaykh he has hinted here in these words for this reason the strongest of the ura ura of iman the bonds or the ties of iman or that which a person holds on to to keep the iman he said the strongest of them is loving for the sake of allah and hating for the sake of allah and hadith like this have been mentioned one of them it is reported by tabarani and al-baghawi and shaykh al-albani rahimahullah said in silsila al-hadith as-sahiha Uh, hadith number 998 he said that that hadith it is authentic and that hadith the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said awthaq ura al-iman al-muwalatu fillah wal-mu'adatu fillah wal-hubb fillah wal-bughd fillah that the strongest bonds or ties of al-iman or the strongest thing that one can hold on to the handle or that one can grip to hold on to iman he said it is al-muwalat fillah yani that a person makes allegiance and alliance for the sake of Allah yani they make allegiance and alliance to the believers for the sake of Allah and likewise they separate and disassociate from people muadat yani adawa and enmity and hatred for the sake of Allah and loving for the sake of Allah and hating for the sake of Allah and the hadith uh, of this meaning are many <coughs> so the sign that the abd the abid loves his lord is that he loves what his lord loves and he hates what he hates he obeys his commands and he avoids his prohibitions that he makes allegiances and friendships based on islam and based on iman with the awliya of allah and the opposite with the enemies of allah in question number 7 the shaykh said what are the means through which the servant knows what allah loves and is pleased with 
Yani what are the things through which the means or the ways through which the servants of Allah know what Allah loves? How can they know what Allah loves? And how can they know what He is pleased with? If the sign of one's love is that they love what Allah loves, then you have to know what Allah loves. So how can you know what Allah loves? He said, they know it by the sending, by Allah's sending to them messengers. They know what Allah loves and is pleased with by the sending of messengers. And by the descending or the revelation of the books, the scriptures. And those messengers in those books are ordering the people with what Allah loves and is pleased with. And they are prohibiting the people from that which Allah hates and scorns or disdains or rejects. So they know from the messengers who order them with what Allah loves and prohibit them from that which Allah hates. And in this way, <coughs> the irrefutable argument or proofs or evidences are established against the people through the sending of messengers and the revelation of the scriptures. The hujjah or the proof that cannot be refuted, that cannot be escaped from, it is established against the people. And likewise, al-hikmah al-baligha, yani the hikmah of Allah, hikmatuhu al-baligha, yani his perfect wisdom, it is brought out and it becomes apparent and it is made clear. Yani the wisdom, why Allah does what he does and why he requires of us what he requires, it is made clear through the revelation, the revelations and by the sending of messengers. Here he quoted the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 165 That they are sent messengers as mubashirina, those who give the bushra, the good news to those who believe and obey Allah. وَمُنْذِرِينَ Those who give the warning to those who disbelieve and disobey Allah. The messengers are sent for this reason. To give the good news to those who obey Allah. And to warn those who disbelieve and disobey Him. لِأَلَّا يَكُونُ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَى اللَّهِ حُجَّةٌ بَعْدَ الرَّسُولِ So that there will not be any proof, there will not be any argument that the people can use against Allah after the sending of the messengers. Once the messengers have been sent, there is no excuse. Because their obligation and their job is to clarify what Allah wants and what Allah is pleased with and what Allah loves and what Allah hates, what Allah has ordered and what Allah has prohibited. Therefore, when the messengers have delivered their message and the people know what is pleasing to Allah and what is displeasing to Allah, they have no excuse. On Yawm Qiyamah, they cannot say we didn't know. So this is the purpose of the messengers and this is the way through which we know what Allah loves and through which we know what Allah hates. Okay, we'll stop here. The next question is the conditions of ibadah and the definition of those conditions. We'll stop here in case there's any comment or any question or any correction. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. If there's any questions from the sisters, you can call us. If the brothers have any questions, you can just ask directly. No. Not mentioned, just the chapter. Which I from which question? Question number seven. Oh, you, Naam, there's another ayat. Naam, that's right. There's a, another ayat here in the last question. He has given this ayat and he has also given the ayat from Surah Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 31. Yani this ayat it is in reference to the matter of how the people can know what Allah loves and is pleased with. 
the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said to the Prophet, Qul, say, he ordered him to say, In kuntum tuhibbun Allah fattabi'uni. If you love Allah, then follow me. And if you love Allah, then you have to follow me. You have to do what I have told you to do, what Allah orders you to do, and what Allah has prohibited you from. In this way you will prove your love of Allah. And if you do so, he said, then Allah will forgive you your sins, and Allah, Allah will love you and forgive you your sins, and Allah is forgiving, merciful. Okay, we'll stop for that then. After that then, if there are any questions or comments, inshallah, we'll take them. A brother is saying that if we mention to a non-Muslim about the mithaq, the covenant that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken from the whole of humanity, and that person says, well, I don't remember it. So how can we respond to them? Well, I mean, there are many ways we can respond to them. Uh, one way to respond to them is to tell them that even though you don't remember it, it's really happened. And now I am reminding you of it, so you are responsible in front of Allah. But they are finished. Because the purpose of our da'wah it is to establish the proof that people have been informed what Allah wants from them in this world. When people didn't know, then they will say, we didn't know. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for this reason, He has taken this covenant from the people before they came into this world, and then He has sent prophets and messengers after. For what? To remind them. Because they will claim, we didn't know. So the prophets and messengers, they are just reminding them of what Allah has already established. So also, there are no more prophets and messengers. So the followers of the Prophet Muhammad serve this purpose of reminding the people of that which Allah has, the covenant that Allah has taken from them. In any case, human beings are human. They are imperfect. They forget so many things. Even some important things perhaps you might forget. Some things that happened yesterday and last week you might forget. So it's possible that you might forget about something that happened long time ago, before we came into this world. However, the point is that we have a responsibility to remind people. So we are telling them that this has happened, it is true, Allah has revealed it in His book. Our Prophet ﷺ, He has spoken it and He has clarified it. And it is a fact, it is a reality. Even if you don't believe it happened anyway, 
We are telling you that you are responsible to worship a Lord who created you. And there is nothing else that has the, the ability to bring you into this world, to give you life or to take life. And you will be standing before Mayyam Qiyamah. So you can fix your life now or you can enjoy now and pay later. Allahumma ta'an. Does the word kafir have any other meaning other than disbeliever? Naam, it has linguist, other linguistic meaning, but um, you know, kafara it means to cover something. So in Arabic language, kafir it is also used for the one who plants something in the earth and covers it with soil, like a farmer. That is also called a kafir. But of course the meaning there it is linguistic meaning. And the meaning that we are talking about is the technical religious meaning. The one who disbelieves in Allah. This is completely different. Now. The continuation of the question. <laughs> Well, of course, we said that the word Abd, Sheikh Islam Taymiyyah said that this word has two possible meanings, and the author has alluded to that here. That one of the meanings is the one who is subjected and subdued against his will. That means the whole of creation, everybody is subjected to Allah, willingly or unwillingly. Everyone, everything in the creation is subjected to Allah, whether they want to or not. The Muslim, the mu'min, the believer is surrendering to Allah in obedience, willingly, out of love for Allah and fear of Allah and hope for his reward. However, our state of subjection, being subdued to Allah, it is not dependent on us whether we want to or not. We are going along with it. But even if we don't go along with it, we will still be subjected to Allah. Because we are makhluk, marbub. We are created. So every creature is subjected to Allah. Every creature that Allah is sustaining and nourishing by his rububiyyah, they are marbub. Whether they like it or not. However, he said there is another meaning of abd besides that. That one includes everyone. The one who willingly and the one who unwillingly surrenders to Allah. There is another meaning that is exclusive it doesn't include those who are subjected against their will. It only includes those who willingly surrender to Allah, out of love for Allah. Because they know that He deserves to be worshipped, and that is the abd. Otherwise, if you say abd, it has both meanings. Okay, one of them includes everything in the creation. And the other one is exclusive for the believers. I hope it clarifies. Well, it means that the Muslim, you know, the question is, uh, when is something considered as ibadah? And he said that when that thing has two matters, when it includes two matters. Uh, these two matters, kamal al-hub, he said, the brother is saying, does it mean perfect love, that you have to love Allah perfectly? It means that that is the objective. Naam. Uh, Islam requires perfect submission to Allah. But Allah is forgiving. And our shortcomings... In, in, in trying to strive for perfect, perfect submission, 
Allah forgives and Allah overlooks and Allah pardons. But it doesn't mean that the original objective is not perfect submission and perfect love and perfect humility. No, the original uh, objective is that we surrender to Allah completely, complete submission, and that we love Allah perfectly. But if we fall short in it as human beings, Allah is forgiving merciful. So, I mean, we are striving for the perfection of it. But we are human beings, so the human being is not perfect. But what is required of us is perfect love of Allah. That is what is required. And we fall short in it. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said that no one will enter the paradise by their own deeds, by their actions. They said, not even you. He said, وَلَا أَنَا إِلَّا يَتَغَمَّنَ اللَّهِ بِفَضْلِهِ وَرَحْمَتِهِ Unless Allah covers me with His favor and His mercy. The Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he said, even me, I will not enter paradise by my deeds. Unless Allah يعني, smothers me, covers me completely by His, his, his bounty, His fadl, giving freely, not by that I am entitled to it, and by His mercy. So that means that the human being will not be perfect, but we should be striving for perfection. It means that we should try to love Allah perfectly. It means that our love for Allah should be above and beyond our love for everything and anyone else. Let me just take one question from the system. Maybe we have just a few moments remaining. Now. Now. Jazakallah khair. Extra? From what I gave you already? Sorry. Okay. Okay. This last question. Fuck about uh, before a question, just let me announce the sisters, they asked for some copies of the tape from last week and from this week. So also if any of the brothers is not recording and would like to get a copy of the tape, you can purchase it from the center for two reals. So if anybody would like to get a copy of the tape from last week or from this week, you can just let us know before we leave, right immediately when we leave. Uh, and you can take it today or you can come any time during the week. Now. Or you can get it from the website, uh, Islam Lecture. Islam lecture. Hakada? Like that? <laughs> no. Try the Sham. If that uh, can if a disbeliever has perfect love of Allah and humbles himself in front of Allah as he considered ibadah. Well, is it possible that a disbeliever can have perfect love of Allah? Well, in his mind. <laughs> in his mind, he is only imagining. <laughs> that is the dhan. Dhanu kafaru. Like Allah said in the Quran, it is only in their mind. Because if a person loves Allah perfectly, they will obey him. The Prophet ﷺ was ordered by Allah in one of the ayats that the Shaykh has mentioned here. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِ The proof against those who claim to love Allah is this ayah. Some of the scholars said that this is the decisive proof against those who claim to love Allah. The Prophet ﷺ was ordered to say, if you love Allah, then follow me. The, the truth of the matter is that if they are not following the Prophet, they are not following that which Allah has revealed and required of them, then they don't love Allah. So it's not possible for a disbeliever to have perfect love of Allah. If they have even a little love of Allah, they will not be disbelieving. They will be obeying Allah. Because Allah said, if you, lo if, you love, if you really love Allah, then follow the Prophet So if they're not doing so, then this is the proof that their claim is false. Wallahu alam. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shalom la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu
Tapes? Okay, if anybody wants to play tape, just put your name here so we'll know who, who, how many people